I appreciate the message on unforgiveness. Unforgiveness is another one of those sneaky sins that can, that can really blow up your life and others' lives. Listen to this, Ephesians chapter 4 and verse 32, the Apostle Paul instructs the church at Ephesus, says, Be ye kind one to another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, even as God, for Christ's sake, hath forgiven you. You may say, oh, I, as, as, as our brother preached to us, I made, they didn't ask for my forgiveness. They did something real, real bad to me. Well, what Paul's saying is, you don't forgive based on their merit. You forgive based on the, the fact that you've been forgiven very much. And you know, a lot of times when we forgive, it's not so much for the benefit of the person we forgave. It's for our own benefit. We benefit more from it. Have you ever had, we can blame it on children, child A gets mad at child B. And they say, I'm not talking to child B anymore. And then not long after, they come to mom or dad and say, tell child B that I'm mad at them. Now they've brought mom and dad into it, right? A lot of times our unforgiveness brings in other people into our mess and affects them. So it's a whole lot better if you just let it go. You look, and if you look to Christ, it's a lot easier to do that than if we look to the offender or to us who are offended. I appreciate that, Brother McNeil. This morning, um, I want to I bring a, a message that I've kind of put a title to, not by, not according to, or not of works. And I was recently um, driving home from North Alabama by myself, and I was listening to a radio preacher, TV preacher, I guess, as well, that, that many of y'all would know. And and at the end of the, I was enjoying the sermon. And at the end of the message, um, he said, if you would like to be born again, repeat after me. And he said, Lord, I ask you into my heart. And I want you to take over my life. In Jesus' name, amen. And he ended the broadcast by saying, if you just said those words, we believe that you have gotten or been born again. And it just left a bad taste in my mouth. That was several. I told Kerry, when you, when you join the Primitive Baptist Church, it's sweet because the truth is there. And I believe that, do y'all? I said, but it makes radio preaching bitter. <laughs> it makes some things we read bitter. <laughs> uh, there's books that I don't enjoy. There's sermons that I don't enjoy. Brother Sam, I can still quote him, right? <laughs> that was a, last week was a good Sunday, wasn't it? I told him people were here on time, people were here, we had lunch. I said, you need to leave more often, brother. <laughs> it was great. Um, you know, he said he'd listen to sermons and they'd be great, and at the end there'd be an altar call or an invitation or accept. He said it's like milking a cow and get a big, beautiful bucket of milk and then just kick it over in the dirt. <laughs> um, but he said, if you, if you prayed this, we believe you've been born again, and, 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 and that hasn't left my mind. That was several weeks ago, and that hasn't left my mind, and there's several issues with that statement. The first of all being this, a, a, a natural man, a, a spiritually dead person, uh, doesn't have the means to get born again. You have to be born again. Something has to happen to you. Nor do they have the will or the ability to want to be or to desire to be born again. The Bible would say things like, if we love God, God first loved us. 
1 John 5 would say if we believe God, it's because we already are born again. You see, um, we don't want to get, I think I recently I mentioned getting the cart before the horse. We don't want to get the cart before the horse when it comes to salvation. And, you know, there are different aspects of salvation, like uh, foreknowledge. That might be a, a salvation that took place in the past when God chose us. There's a legal salvation that the Bible talks about when Jesus Christ cried out on the cross that it is finished. The penalty that you and I owed was paid legally then and forever for every one of God's children. A people out of every nation, kindred, tribe, and tongue, a number that no man can number, was saved that day legally in the eyes of a holy God by the death of his just son. And in his righteousness was passed to us. Where our righteousness is filthy rags and his righteousness was so righteous that we probably couldn't, we couldn't, we can't fathom his righteousness. It was passed to us on that day. You know when you were saved? Y'all ever had that question? When were you saved? I heard Ricky Harcrow one time say that, that somebody asked him that and he says, I've been saved millions of times. <laughs> A good answer to that, I was saved about 2,000 years ago. <laughs> But there's also a vital salvation where, where the, the legal phase of salvation, might, you might think of it as taking place in a courtroom. There is also a, a salvation that might take place in the, in the birthing suite, if you will, when you're born again. And that's something that you and I have just as much to do with as that legal phase of salvation when Jesus Christ died on the cross 2,000 years ago. We have nothing to do with it. Amen. 1 Corinthians chapter 2 and verse 14 says this, but the natural man, that's the, that's the man that has not, not been born of the Spirit. It says, the natural man receives not the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness unto him. You say, what does that mean? It means that if, 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 if a natural man, somebody was not born of the Spirit of God, was sitting in the back of this room and just heard Brother McNeil say, that, that if somebody has offended you, somebody's hurt you, if somebody's wronged you, and they, you should forgive them based on the fact that a Jewish man hung on a cross 2,000 years ago to forgive you. If they heard that, they would say, that is the silliest thing I've ever heard in my life. But you and I hear it, and, you, and we, we are motivated. Maybe you heard that, and you thought, maybe there's somebody I need to forgive. Maybe you felt pricked in your heart saying, there's... There's some ill will that I've been harboring that I need to work on. What's the difference? It's because in you is dwelling the Spirit of God. Where in a natural man, the Spirit of God's not there. So it's foolishness to him. It's silliness to him. It goes on to say, neither can he know them. He, he couldn't even... He, the natural man, the man born of the Spirit, the man that's not born of the Spirit of God, doesn't even have the ability to understand these things. Not only are they foolish to him, he doesn't have the ability because he says they are spiritually discerned. In Ephesians 2, and we're going to go there in a minute, Paul says this, that he says, For you hath he quickened who were dead, D-E-A-D, dead, in trespasses and sins. We were reading, um, this morning I was reading with Evie Grace the account of Lazarus. Man, that was a, that, that, that is a story, isn't it? Can you imagine um, uh, uh, this Jesus walking up to this tomb and saying, roll that stone away. And he says, Lazarus. And we had some fun with that. I bet Lazarus was as shocked as the people around there. <laughs> He's been dead four days. Come forth. 
And he comes forth. I mean, that's amazing, isn't it? That'd be like me walking up and saying, grab the shovel, let's take this coffin out of the ground because this person's about to come back out of it. That's the power of our God. That really happened. Y'all believe that? That really happened. That's cool. (laughs) I enjoyed reading that this morning. But it would be silly for me, for me, it would be silly for me to go to the to go to the cemetery today and say, I know you are all dead. Your gravestone has the day you were born and the day you died. But if you will move your little toe, if you will take that first breath, I've got the oxygen tank here to revive you. I've got the EMSs here. All you got to do is beat that heart one time. That's all you got to do. And we'll come in and revive you and you will be alive. How many takers y'all think I would have today? Once you're dead, you're dead. <laughs> Unless Jesus comes to your tomb and says, come forth, then you're alive. <laughs> we went down a rabbit hole this morning. Then we started looking at George Washington's tomb. <laughs> we, we toured Mount Vernon on Google this morning. I said, isn't it amazing that one day Jesus Christ is going to descend from the sky and George Washington's going to come out of that tomb? <laughs> one day, there's coming a day unlike any day, isn't there? And if we don't make it, if we're asleep in Jesus, we're going to come out of that tomb. Our loved ones that have passed are going to come out of that tomb. And it's going to be glorious. But there are people walking around today who are spiritually dead. They don't have a spiritual heartbeat about them. They're walking. You can talk with them. But you start talking about God And it is foolishness unto them. It is silliness unto them. And and a lot of the times they like they they're not neutral in it. They hate the truth. They want to suppress the truth. And it would be just as silly for me to tell them, here is the answer to your problems as it would be for me to go to the cemetery today and say, Come forth if you'll just do this or that. See, we don't believe that salvation is by works because the Bible clearly states that it's not. I found the the definition for this. A work is is whatever, anything is accomplished by your hand, by art, by industry, or by your mind. A work is anything that expends energy. You know, I don't... um, I don't... uh, work in, a, in, a, in, a, in an environment that is manual labor. I work on a computer or a telephone or at a restaurant. <laughs> Some of y'all think, I mean, I take people out to eat. And, um, but I've come home before and been just tired because you were busy. Brother Mark is here. Brother Mark, I know when your, your job is complicated and you're, you're, you're taking out schedules and, and, and you're thinking through processes, it can wear you out, right? You're expending energy, and that is a work. And the Bible clearly states that our salvation is not by works. Let's go to Titus chapter 3. So we talk about our salvation not being by our works. It's not by something that we do. 
The Apostle Paul says to Titus in Titus chapter 3, let's start in verse 3, he says, For we ourselves also were sometimes foolish, disobedient, deceived, serving diverse lusts and pleasures, living in malice and envy, hateful, and hating one another. That's uh, foolish, disobedient, deceived, serving diverse lusts, pleasures, living in malice. That's wanting to do harm to other people for no cause, envying people, hateful, and hating one another. That's a, that's a very good description of those natural men who are void of the Spirit of God. And I like that he says that we were sometimes then, but in verse 4 he says, but after that. How many of y'all have experienced the sometime and the after that? I have. He says, but after that, the kindness and love of God our Savior toward man appeared. Because I heard a radio preacher and I was driving down the road and I thought, I will say that prayer and I will be born again. Is that what Paul said? I was in my chariot. <laughs> no. He says, but after that, after that I was envious, after that I was foolish, not, not after I got it together. Do y'all see that? So many, so many of the messages in Christianity, or in, in, so many Christians believe that if I can get it together, God will then love me. If I can just get myself together, God can then use me. No, God wants you to come to Him and He will get you prepared, right? He prepares you. It's not, God doesn't show His or commend His love towards us uh, when, when we decide to love Him, but when we were enemies, when you and I were against God, His Son came to this earth. When you and I were against God, He bled out his, his last drops of blood. When you and I were against God, He said it is finished. When you and I were against God, not only just against Him, not neutral to Him, but we were enemies of Him. If we were there, we wouldn't have been saying, take Him down. We'd have been saying, crucify Him. Crucify Him. That's you and me. Do we understand that today? We would have been the ones saying, give us Barabbas. We would have been the ones on the cross saying, saying crucify this man that's you and me but he loved us then do y'all see that he loved us then he loved us when we were malicious he loved us when we were envious he loved us when we hated each other but after that his kindness and his love after that the kindness and love of God our savior toward man appeared not by works of righteousness which we have done he clearly states for us that it was not by a prayer you pray, an aisle you walk, a Bible you read, a passage you read, a thing you do, that God's love would appear to you. It says it's not by works of righteousness which we have done. You know, we're created to do good things, right? But none of those good things motivated God to save us. He says not by works of righteousness which we have done, but according to... To His mercy, He saved us by the washing of regeneration and the renewing of the Holy Ghost, which He shed on us abundantly through Jesus Christ our Savior, that being justified by His grace, we should be made heirs according to the hope of eternal life. Not only does Paul, I love this, not only does he say, here's, here's why he didn't, here's the negative, he didn't save you because you did something right. He says, here was his motivation. He saved you because he's full of mercy. Do y'all see that? He says, not by works of righteousness that we have done, but according to his mercy, he saved you. He regenerated you. He says, he says by the washing. I love that. The washing of regeneration. That, that, is, that is spiritual birth and the renewing 
That's making new again, reestablishing, reviving, renovating. You ever watch those shows on HGTV where they'll go in and just renovate a house? Mark says, no, I do. <laughs> we even went to Laurel, Mississippi <laughs> for our anniversary. Uh, that's where one of the shows uh, is, is filmed. And it's amazing what they can do. They'll take a, a run-down old house and, you know, with a good budget and, and a, a TV crew, and you can do a lot in six weeks. <laughs> That's what God did to you. You were ruined. You were broken. You were deceived. You were corrupt. And he said, I'm going to pick that one and renovate it. He gave you new cabinets and new floors, <laughs> new AC. <laughs> All because he's a merciful God. You've been renovated. That's beautiful, isn't it? We've been renovated through the Spirit of God, through his mercy. I love Lamentations 3, 22. It says, it is of the Lord's mercies that we are not consumed. Do y'all ever just watch the news or hear what's going on and say, why does God even allow us <laughs> to continue? Why are we not consumed? Because he's a merciful God. says his compassions they fail not they are new every morning great is thy faithfulness you know it, it, God is a faithful God isn't he is our hope in our faith is your hope in your faith my hope's not in my faith because my faith's weak my faith wavers y'all remember I think it's in Mark chapter 9 where that Father comes and, and, and Jesus says, your, your son can be healed if you'll believe. And he says, Lord, I believe, but help thou mine unbelief. I don't know what that scale is, but if unbelief's here and belief's here, I'm, I'm afraid sometimes I'm tipping the scale on the unbelief part of that, part of that spectrum. And, and if my hope of salvation was based on my faith or my faithfulness, then I couldn't sleep at night. But my, my, my salvation, my hope of salvation is not based on my faith or when I repented or when I prayed a prayer. It's based on the faithfulness of God. And he says, great is thy faithfulness. I don't think there's anybody in here that we could, we could really say, great is your faithfulness. Brother Sam mentioned last week, he said, if there was a song in the songbook called How Great Sam Is, he said, we'd probably never sing it. You know how wicked I am? I thought, if there was one how great Josh is and you would agree to sing it, I'd probably let you. Because that's just, that's just who I am sometimes, right? I know it wouldn't be right, but we all like to boast and brag, right, about ourselves from time to time if people will let us. But God's faithfulness is something we can sing about. It's, let's, look at, let's flip over to 2 Timothy. He's going to continue to talk about how you were saved, how you were regenerated, how you were born again. Verse 8 of chapter 1 of 2 Timothy says, Be not thou therefore ashamed of the testimony of our Lord, nor of me his prisoner, but be thou partaker of the afflictions of the gospel according to the power of God. And I'll just stop there and say, American Christians, we may need that verse more now than we've ever needed it. Don't be ashamed of the testimony of our Lord, nor of me his prisoner, but be a partaker of the afflictions of the gospel according to the power of God. You know, it used to be that it was in, in America, and there may still be some of that in Alabama, but there, it, we, we had cultural Christianity. 
or it was just part of the culture. You were a Christian. Now we have costly Christianity, where it's probably going to cost you to be a Christian. It used to help you to be a Christian. <laughs> now it's going to cost you. It's coming. That it will cost you to be a Christian in this very nation. And he says, but we're to be partakers of the affliction of the gospel. We, say, we, can, we can definitely say this. If we ever have to suffer a cost for our Christianity, we're not the first. <laughs> and we won't be the last. And he's speaking of God, he says, who hath saved us. He hath saved us and called us. There we go. There's regeneration, that renewing of the Holy Ghost, that renovation that God's done to you when he took out your heart of stone and gave you a heart of flesh. He says that he has called us with a holy calling. Not according to our works. He's saying, Timothy, it's not something you did. It's not circumcision, baptism, the sinner's prayer, none of that. He says, but here's what it is. It's according to his own purpose and grace, which was given us in Christ Jesus before the world began. He says the motivation here is God's design and God's grace. Did you know God is a purposeful God? Y'all, y'all, y'all agree with that? He, he has purposes in this life. He is, he, he is a, he's got things planned out really good, right? <laughs> Where our plans may fail, his plans will not fail. Whatever he wants to do will prosper. He has intent. He has design. He's a pers- purposeful God. He doesn't do things by accident. Romans 8, 28 would say that all things work together for good to them who love God, to them who are the called. There's that holy calling again, right? The called what? according to his purpose he didn't renovate you on accident he, the homeowners didn't get there and say oh we wanted that house <laughs> but you did that house he doesn't make mistakes child of god if you've been born again it wasn't by mistake it was on purpose the one who purposes all things after the counsel of his own will purposed to bring you into spiritual life and vital relationship with him you think, don't let the devil tell you you're not a special person. <laughs> we are special people. We're, we're peculiar people who have been bought by the blood of Christ and regenerated by the Spirit of God on purpose to live a life on purpose. The, 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 the greatest thing that the devil wants us to think is probably that we don't have a purpose. The, 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 in, in heaven today, they're singing a song about a purposeful God who redeemed them on purpose. All things were created by Him and for Him. He did it on purpose. What was the purpose that we may glorify Him? We've been made on purpose to glorify Him. He said it was according to His purpose that He did that in His grace. Don't y'all love that? He has saved us and called us with a holy calling, not according to our works, but he was motivated by his own purpose, his own design, his own intent, and his grace. That is free and unmerited favor. See, we probably can't even understand that because we think, why would I forgive somebody if they hadn't asked for forgiveness? Why would I forgive somebody if they don't show that they deserve it? We didn't deserve it. We didn't ask for it. We were in malice. We were envious. We were jealous. We hated God. We were enemies to God. But yet, because of his free and unmerited favor, he chose us, regenerated us, died for us. He's coming back to get us. He's going to glorify us. And when we get to heaven, you know what we're going to sing? Not how great I am, not how great Sam is, not how great McNeil is, how great he is for his grace. 
We're going to praise Him for His grace. Do y'all agree with me this morning? For His grace. I love in Acts chapter 15, I wrote this verse down, we don't have to flip there. It says this, the, the, the Jerusalem Council gives this confession of faith. He said, they say, we believe that through the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, we shall be saved even as they. How's God going to save the Jew? How's God going to save the Gentile? Well, if you want to get primitive doctrine on that, original doctrine, old doctrine, Here's the best confession of faith that's ever been made. The council at Jerusalem says, we believe we're saved and they're saved by grace. And they don't have to say anything else. Just grace. You ever heard that? I believe we're saved by grace, but you got to do this. Brother Vernon Johnson says, you just butted out all the grace. Let's go to Ephesians chapter 2. Speaking of God's mercy in verse 4, it says, But God, who is rich in mercy for his great love, wherewith he loved us, even when we were dead in sins. So here's those people who were dead. You and I, dead. Just as dead spiritually as those people in, in, in the cemetery today are dead physically. We were dead. It says, Even when we were dead in sins, he hath quickened us together with Christ. And maybe outside of Acts chapter 15, the second greatest uh, commentary on how you were saved is held in this, it's held in a, in a, in a five-word parenthetical statement. He says, by grace ye are saved. And I say with full confidence today that if your method of salvation, if your doctrine of soteriology can't fit within that parenthetical statement, then it is not a biblical doctrine of salvation. For by grace are you saved and nothing else. You say, well, brother, that doesn't bring me much help. That doesn't bring me much hope. That kicks me out of the whole thing. Well, praise God, you'd mess it up. You know why on HGTV they don't have the homeowners come in and fix the cabinets or the toilets? or the Because they'd mess it up. <laughs> I, saw, I saw a man the other day, it was like, uh, it was some handyman, and his slogan was, I'll fix what your husband fixed. <laughs> See, if, if, if you and I are anywhere in the equation for our salvation, we're going to mess it up. The other day I was looking for my keys. And Carrie said, I don't know how you live. <laughs> I, I'm all the time, where's my key? Where's my wallet? You see my shoes? <laughs> I... Can you imagine if God would say, I'm going to do 99% of it, but you've got to keep up with this part until the end. I'd say, where's my salvation? I've lost it. Boy, it's so comforting to know that it's not by my works. It's not according to my works. Let's keep reading in Ephesians chapter 2. It's not of our works. It says, He has raised us up together and made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus, that in the ages to come... He might show the exceeding riches of his grace and his kindness towards us through Christ Jesus. we got a lot to look forward to, don't we? It says this, For by grace are you saved through faith, and that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God. Verse 9, Not of works. It says it's not by works. It's not according to our works. He it says it's not 
of works. That word of means from or out of, proceeding from, as the cause, source, means, author, or agent. Paul wants you to know right here, it is not based on anything you thought, anything you do, or anything that you possess. It was all by the grace of God. And then he gives us another indication of the motive for God. It was his glory. He says it's not of works. It was based on his mercy. It was based on his design. It was motivated by his grace. But make no mistake about it, he's motivated by his glory. He says, not of works lest any man should boast. For we are his workmanship. We're the product of God, created in Christ Jesus unto good works, which God hath before ordained that we should walk in them. He says he's motivated. He wants you to know that, that you didn't create yourself. God created you. Proverbs 16, 4 says, The Lord hath made all things for himself. You know what that means? If you've been made a new creation, you were made for God. To live for God, to worship God. He says, I do it all for his glory so that no man would boast. I mentioned singing that song. We, we, we will brag, won't we? Y'all remember when I, I won third place in the 5K? <laughs> I didn't know if I'd mention that to y'all or not. Um, yeah, that's probably why God created man last. Because he, 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 he did, I, bet, I bet Adam would have been around and say, Cain, Abel, y'all see that son? <laughs> Me and God made that. You see this ground you're walking on? I was there. God did most of it, but... I said, yeah, we should make it green. That's why he said, that's, God's a smart God, isn't he? And you know what? If, 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 if I thought that my faithfulness, if I thought that, that my acceptance, if I thought that, that my response to a gospel message is what just a little part of what saved me, you know, every once in a while I'd say, I'm a little smarter than all these other folks. Boy, I must have got it. What's wrong with them? <laughs> Look what I did. I chose. God says there is no boasting in the church of God. There's no brag. If we're going to brag, let's brag on him. Amen? In Isaiah chapter 48, verse 11, it says this, I will not give my glory unto another. You say, why does, this, why does it matter what we believe about salvation? Because there's a lot at stake. It's not your eternal salvation. It's not where you're going to spend eternity. But it's going to be who gets the glory while you're here. And our job from the time that God regenerates us to the time that God to the time we're in the ground is to glorify Him. That's our job, folks. And I do a poor job of it. And you do a poor job of it. But guess what we can do? We can do better, right? What's the best time to start doing better? Right now, right? I hope Vestavia glorifies God more from here to the end of this year than we've ever done. Let's praise Him. 
1 Corinthians chapter 10, we'll start in verse 30. It says, But of him are you in Christ Jesus, who of God made unto us wisdom and righteousness and sanctification and redemption, that according to it is written, He that glorieth, let him glory in the Lord. I hope we brag more than any church on the face of this earth. I just hope we brag on Jesus Christ. Make much of Jesus Christ. You say, Brother Josh, if it's not by my works, if it's not of my works, if it's not according to my works, I hope we've seen today that what, what is the cause? How did we get born again? <laughs> How were we born again? It was through the power of God. Let's go, to, let's go to John chapter 1. It says this, speaking of God, it says he was in the world, verse 10. He was in the world. The world was made by him without the help of anybody else. Do we believe that? The world was just created by God. It was just made by God. Just like you and I are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus unto good works. You know, to believe, um, we, we don't believe in physical evolution, right? We don't believe that, that dead objects somehow animated themselves and collided together. And over the process of millions of billions of years, this all got here. We don't believe that. We don't believe in spiritual evolution. And to say that the dead sinner has to do this, that, or the other, whatever it is, is to believe in spiritual evolution, that a dead object can evolve itself into a spiritual object. No, we are his workmanship. Just as God said, let there be light, there was light on the day of creation. Is the same way that God looked at your heart and my heart and every one of us here and said, let there light, and there was light that shined into our heart. We, we, we believe in a sovereign, holy God who, who, whose call is effectual, it says, he was in the world, and the world was made by him, and the world knew him not, and he came unto his own, and his own received him not. But as many as received him, to them gave he power to become the sons of God. He gave them authority to step out on the stage of human history and manifest themselves as the children of God. That's our job. He gave them the authority to become disciples and follow him and, and lift up his banner. It says, to them that believed on his name. And what was the difference? It says, these people were born, not of blood. It wasn't because of their race, nor of the will of their flesh. It wasn't something they did. It wasn't the will of man. It wasn't something they decided they wanted. It wasn't something the preacher decided, their mom decided, their dad decided, uh, somebody else decided for them. It says they were born of God. That's a, and that's an important word, right? Of. It tells us what it proceeds from, what was the cause, what was the activating uh, agent of it. It was God. Listen, listen to John chapter 3. Nicodemus comes to, John, uh, Nicodemus comes to Jesus in John chapter 3. And, and it says, therefore, uh, it says, there was a, a, a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus. Verse 1. It says, he was a ruler of the Jews. The same came to Jesus by night and said unto him, Rabbi, we know that you're a teacher come from God, for no man can do these things, miracles that, that you do except God be with him. Jesus answered and said unto him, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, except a man be born again, born from above, uh, regenerated, that, that their heart would be renovated and renewed. And that, he says, you can't even see or experience the kingdom of God. It goes back to that first thing we were talking about where the natural man thinks it's foolishness. The natural man doesn't have the ability to see it. What Jesus is saying to Nicodemus, I believe, is, yeah, you're seeing these miracles. You've recognized it because something's happened to you. You see that? You can't even, it would be foolishness unto you, Nicodemus, unless you'd been born again. He says, except a man be born again, he cannot experience the kingdom of God or see the kingdom of God. Nicodemus says unto him, how can a man be born when he is old? 
Can he enter the second time into his mother's womb and be born? Jesus answered, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, except a man be born of water and of the Spirit, he cannot enter into the kingdom of God. Y'all remember chapter uh, 3 and verse 5 of Titus where it says he was washed by the regeneration, the renewing of the Holy Ghost? He says, he says you must be born of that spiritual water, that spirit, or you cannot enter the kingdom of God. That which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the spirit is spirit. And I, and I just, in my mind, I have this, of course, I've been watching The Chosen. I don't know if y'all have seen that. So now Nicodemus is in that. So now I see him doing this. But um, I just have this picture of Nicodemus is like, first of all, what is this guy talking about? I mean, he, he has not recognized uh, the the. The term born again is not something you hear on the radio when you're driving home in in first century. And he's marveling. His mouth is open. He's like, how am I going to do this? He doesn't have it all. And Jesus says unto him, marvel not that I say unto thee, you must be born again. Nicodemus is probably thinking, how am I going to do this? He says, the wind bloweth where it listeth. That means pleases. And you hear the sound thereof, but you can't tell whence it cometh or whither it goest. So is every one that is born of the Spirit. You know what Jesus is basically saying to Nicodemus? It's just sit back. I've got this. How many times do we need to hear that in our life? Jesus says, sit back. I've got this. We, me and you can see, the, we can see the effects of the wind. And I think we see that in the new birth. But we don't see the wind. The new birth is a miraculous thing. And maybe it hits you like the Apostle Paul on the road to Damascus. And it's a life-changing event just like that. Or maybe you're like John the Baptist. And you've never known a time that you weren't born again. But we see the effects of it, right? And not only does he say that, he says the wind blows where it pleases. How many of y'all can just step outside and say, and it'd be hot? Wouldn't it be nice to say, wind, blow on me? You can't do that, can you? The wind goes where it wants to. You know what Jesus is saying? The Spirit of God goes where it wants to. (laughs) And men may try to stop God. Governments may try to stop God. What he's saying is, nobody's going to stop God. That's why we call him God, right? (laughs) He's sovereign. He has all power. Let's go to John chapter 5. I want to read this verse real quick and we'll close with this. Verse 22 says, The Father judges no man, but hath committed all judgment unto the Son, that all men should honor the Son, even as they honor the Father. You know, the greatest way to honor the Father, is to celebrate and honor the Son. He that honoreth not the Son honoreth not the Father which has sent him. Verily, verily, I say unto you, he that heareth my word and believeth on him that sent me hath everlasting life. That's a past tense word. And shall not come into condemnation, but is passed from death unto life. You see, the problem with the message that I, that, that I heard and that so many of you have heard it would be this. It'd say, he that hears my words and believes 
that sent me can get everlasting life. But the message of the gospel is if you hear the words of Jesus and they ring true to you, if you hear the gospel message and it rings true to your heart, you already have eternal life. If you want to be saved, it's too late, brother. You've already been saved. Praise his holy name. Verily, verily, I say unto you, the hour is coming and now is when the dead. I can't go to the cemetery and say, get up. I can't take a dead, natural, spiritually man and say, have life. But God can. He says, the hour is coming and now is when the dead shall hear the voice of the Son of God. And they that hear shall live. You know, what, you know what that means? Jesus is saying, it's not a possibility that they might live. I'm not going to uh, propose to them that they can accept to live or accept to stay dead. It's not that they're going to be smarter than some and decide they want to do it. I'm going to speak and they're going to live. For as the Father hath life in himself, so hath he given the Son to have life in himself and have given him authority to execute judgment also because he is the son of man now i'm sure these people that are standing around are like nicodemus like what <laughs> again in verse 28 he says marvel not at this don't marvel for the hour is coming listen to what we have to look forward to folks for the hour is coming in which all that are in the graves shall hear his voice. You say, I miss, I miss this person. I miss that person. Listen to the hope that we have. There's coming a time when those that are dead in the grave are going to hear his voice and shall come forth. They that have done good unto the resurrection of life and they that have done evil unto the resurrection of damnation. The same voice. You know, if you, think that, if you think that the preacher has something to do with you being regenerated, well, you've got a big problem in John chapter 5 because guess what? They're not going to need any preachers on the day of the resurrection. Preacher's going to be resurrected. <laughs> not doing the resurrecting. And it's the same voice that's going to shout, that's going to open the graves. It's the same voice that opened your dead heart. Praise his holy name. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for this day. Thank you for the many blessings of this life. We thank you for the truth of the gospel. We thank you that you are a sovereign God who loves us. God, you could have, rightfully so, you could have, you could have dispersed of us. You could, have, you could have crushed us. We could have never been, but you purposed, you designed, you intended that we should live knowing that we would fall, knowing that we would hate you, knowing that we wouldn't love for you, you purposed and planned a way that you would bring us back to you. May we live on purpose, God. May we praise you for who you are. Not a weak God who's waiting on us to, to respond, but a God who makes us willing and obedient when you speak. And it is in your holy name that we pray. Amen.